Hey, hello everyone. Zach Shu, Dan Turbyville Powerhouse. We're oh. in the house. Hello. <laughs> that weird sound was Alaria setting her headphones on the yeah, the yeah. Foley mat or whatever. Yeah, the little buttons, well, whatever they're in called. The, in the uh, cartoon world and other stage realm, the background sounds is the Foley stage, right? Where they that's the noises you hear where they try to emulate things happening like a boom smash or whatever. Mm. Mm. Or like sound effects. Right. The sound Foley? Effects. Foley. 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 Interesting. Did you say that we were in the house? Did you We're in the house. Did you do that? I man? did. I did it, man. Oh. Right on. And we have a guest with us who's already visible here to our viewers. Um, oh, but before on. we get to that, I'm going to introduce, uh, well, we're presented by Memphis Fence Company, MFC, MFG, uh, and Simpalo. We and, also have and, our first sponsor. And... Go ahead. Dan's super excited. How long, how long you been working on, Tony, to get this sponsorship going on? Six years. Six years. So six years in the making. We finally shook hands. Yeah, we made thank, it happen. Thank you, Tony Thornton of Thornton Consulting. Uh, there's Board. a little logo up there. Yeah. Uh, over in the corner, we got a logo. That's cool. awesome. How we cool. Recently all, let's see, where can I get that to? We all acquired Tony's book here. The yeah, seven so we got strategies those, uh, for the professional professional fence professional. contractors. We got those like last year or something. Right? Sounds so professional. <laughs> yeah, professional. We, we professional. Hey, I didn't. I'm professional at fence, <laughs> not everything. You know, <laughs> words are hard. Hey. All right. What so are we doing now? Exactly. Yeah. We're so we're that's, live. that's awesome, Tony. That's a great. That's a great sponsor to have. If you're gonna have one, that's fantastic. Yeah. So. um you want to introduce our guest? Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna tell. I'm gonna say something about Tony's event coming up, but I have to. So with us, find it. of contractor <laughs> accelerator is Amanda DeBrot from somewhere outside of Kansas City, Kansas, yep. in the suburbs, no, no. home no, of the Chiefs. Wait, wait, no, 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 Kansas City, Missouri. <laughs> oh, yeah. See, I don't know anything about the Chiefs. <laughs> Kansas City, Missouri, which is. Just it, right by in, next door. It's basically. on the other side of the river or something like that. <laughs> yeah, there's a Kansas City, Missouri, Kansas City, Kansas. You don't want to. You don't want to be confused with the two. Absolutely. Oh, really? Mm. I've heard this actually. We okay. had a previous employee from Kansas City, Kansas. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, he Is told me like about it. No, it's just a little sketchy on Kansas City, Kansas side. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. So check this out. The Thornton Fence Consulting Group is doing a spring super summit at Job Nimbus. Cool. Can you Salt Lake City, March 24th through 26th, 2024. And the um, flyer for that is on the Powerhouse Fence Show. Actually, uh, if you go to his website, then you'll you find go. it. And we'll have Alaria post it as well. How about that? Yep. Yeah. Right. So are you guys gonna you guys gonna sponsor Tony in turn? We are. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, so are we. He's a like I said, great, great contact to have. Yep, yep, for sure. And uh, so we went to, what I went to the his event in December, and that was the first thing that I had ever been to that he had put on. You know, I've talked to him several times. We got his books, and you know, then I was able to go over there to Oklahoma in December, and it was pretty cool. I mean, just three days of cram packed people talking about fence was pretty neat. And then, you know, we've talked 
18 times about the whole intangible side of it with the networking that happens after the after the events are over and all of that other stuff but it's really cool definitely would suggest attending things like that to anyone who's listening so you okay man mm -hmm. okay <laughs> Just hearing some sounds. That's just me tapping my foot because I'm still trying to like calm down from the chaos I lived through today. Good. Yeah. We could take a moment. Yeah. We could do that here. Can we like play some nice calming <laughs> music? Um. Uh, cool. So you ever, you ever heard uh, Enigma? Enigma Return to Innocence. <laughs> it's a very calming song. <laughs> did, did you hear about that on uh, Instagram? No, no, oh, no, no. No, actually, I went to get my oil change today, and that one popped up on the radio, and I was like, oh, I love this song. Nice. Kind yep. of brings back memories. I'll have to check it out, see if it calms me, too. <laughs> I don't know. Care to share what happened today? We do. Yeah. Oh, so we've What's been, been uh, going on, yeah. We've been operating without our estimator since uh, we came back from Finstech, basically. And so, you know, I kind of been trying to cover that. And then also a bunch of people have done onboarding and demos and all of that for Simpolo since Finstech. So it's just been kind of like madness going on. It's really bothering you that I'm tapping my foot, isn't it? <laughs> it's just been a lot of madness. So that's pretty much it. But today yeah. I just, uh, I bid a couple jobs, something like 400, 450,000 between the two of them. So they were, uh, there were two pretty nice jobs that took quite a bit of time, and like I just barely got it done right before I came down here. In fact, I think I hit send on the email, jumped up, ran down here, and was like, "All right, let's do this." So that's kind of how my day's been too. Yeah, it's been that. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't much. Uh, wasn't much of a like transitional period to kind of just relax and get into this mood. So, but anyways, um, speaking of which, if anyone knows an estimator or project manager who is currently seeking employment then uh, you can have them reach out to us as well. So, anyways. Um, In the so, Memphis area? Yeah, I would prefer someone to work here local, like on-site, not to do the remote thing, at least for this position. So, yeah. maybe in the future there might be some estimator-type people that we could do the remote thing with, but for now, I kind of want them to be on-site. So, thanks for that. Thanks for the clarification <laughs> there. <laughs> You never know. All right. So uh, last week we started the, like, what was it? Selling Commercial Fence 101 or something like that. And this week we kind of are, like, simultaneously starting uh, to have some software people on here. And we have our first guest from Contractor Accelerator. Um, there will be a few more coming in the next month or two. And so we'll kind of, you know, jump back and forth between guests and then the Commercial Fence 101 episodes that we started last week. Awesome. What are you doing, man? You're just sitting there staring silently. Are you doing a bit? <laughs> <laughs> now it's time for our segment titled Italian for the Week. Oh, my God. Don't leave me alone like that, Zach. You I know, wasn't on camera. What the, I mean, what are you going to do? I gotta reserve it all. There you go. Now we're both. So the Italian word for the week. Have you are you familiar with the segment? Italian the Italian word of the week. So yes. we're gonna do Italian word of the week. Ilaria is from Italy, speaks Italian, and it's gonna offer us a word. So the Italian word of the week is sponsor. 
I I already told Dan he was gonna be disappointed because the word is sponsor. (laughs) (laughs) But you gotta roll that R at the end. Yeah, you gotta roll the R. (laughs) Go for it. Sponsor. Slay. Amanda. Sponsor. Slay. Man. I wanted y'all to go so I wasn't the only one to screw up when I said sponsor. (laughs) Sponsor. Yeah, good. Uh, So, next I have... Do we have any stories? No, but I got something else. It's a total surprise. Oh my goodness! A total whammo. So we sell whammo. I what a dork. Hey, the whammo, baby. Uh, so <laughs> gonna, we celebrated Dan's birthday in Nashville on the 25th. I just so happened to be at Target on my lunch break, and I saw this thing that is totally Dan. So hopefully, instead of the story, if you'd help us celebrate Dan's birthday just a little bit, we got some cupcakes, but Dan doesn't eat cupcakes, so. I gave them all away at Fence Tech. But here is a personal gift from Zach Shue to Dan Turbyville in honor of his birthday. Whichever one it is. I don't even know. I know which one it is. I was going to open it for him. So, Is it breakable? No, it's not. Okay, so if I threw it across the room, it'd be okay? Oh, goodness. Just wait till you see what's on the shirt. It's going to be so fitting. You already told me what the gift was. Oh, it's the shirt. <laughs> Who cares? I want to hear some tearing noises. You have to, you have to put it on for the show. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> what is what is this? That's so you, Dan. <laughs> careful, careful! I'm grumpy. <laughs> oh well, thanks, Zach. I appreciate that. Yeah, we were gonna do appropriate touch, but we this is much better. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to wear it tomorrow. How about that? I love how your response to the gift was, what is this stupid gift? What's this nonsense? How about a thank you? Thank you, Zach. Thank you. you. That was very kind and thoughtful. There, and you even got a little shoulder pat out of it. We have some some comments. So we have Seth. Says hello. Seven strategies book. Yes, sir. Josh Cumby, what's up, guys and gal? Glover. Oh, Josh Glover. I'm sorry. Oh. Wrong, Josh. Josh Cumby watches all the time, and I just saw Josh and went with it. I do Josh, apologize. Josh Glover was pretty active last week. Yeah. So he's in the new running of our number one fan, our top fan. <laughs> <laughs> what do right. you get if you're the number one fan? Let's... A T-shirt. Sure. We'll, we'll send you this t-shirt. <laughs> oh, gosh. I can dig up a Memphis Fence t-shirt. Craig Eubanks. What's up, Craig? Craig got a couple of t-shirts from us recently. He did. All right. He was uh, he was plugging uh, Sampalo on uh, Facebook the other day. Speaking of plugging Sampalo, a couple of people visited us from at Fence Tech saying you send them to us. I wanted to come over I and did. say hey, but it was so crazy. That oh, crazy! I know. Yes, yeah. So yeah. we had a couple people that were like, "Okay, so this is what I do," and I said, "You need some Paulo." Yes. <laughs> and Thank then you very much. He went, and then he came back. He goes, "You were right." <laughs> That's cool. cool. That's, That's cool. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you for the referral. Yeah. Of course. Of course. I appreciate it. Yeah. I think that's uh, one thing everybody should know. Like all the tech people, we're all friendly. We all, um, you know, recommend our software to other people or recommend other softwares to people. 
Because I think at the end of the day, we all just want to be a good fit for anybody. So we understand that not every software is going to work for everybody. So yep. we, we try to stay friendly. Yep, we're uh, we're here to provide a service that's going to be, you know, provide value and be beneficial to the users. So, all right, let's get serious. Let's get into this thing. Oh, you ready? Yeah, finally. Uh. <laughs> Hold on, let me you know me, Mister Mister Business. Yeah. I'm always the serious one. Serious Zach. Okay, so we are going to have. You should put your hat on. Um, you should put your hat on backwards. That's when it gets to real get serious. serious. Right? Um, yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, sure. Let's, let's see if it helps. I'll take your suggestion. <laughs> oh, oh, no. I do not. Like this. We're this, so uh, ready. This violates yes. our friend standards. I want I'm you to know. so ready. <laughs> I don't know what that voice is. Oh, remember? <laughs> I want you to do the hello. Or whatever that you did the other day. I was sending I a video to the software developers, and Zach walks in, and he goes, oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, it was recorded on the video, and I yeah, left you, it in there. It was if great. you get odd voicemails or video messages with strange sounds in the back, it's probably me just doing whatever I'm doing. Um, I find <laughs> it necessary to navigate a difficult work day to just kind of – You got to have fun sometimes. That's So that's what we're doing. So um, we, correction all the time all the time there you go i like that uh maybe we need to get some work done sometimes so you whistle. but we can have fun doing work you whistle exactly. while you work yeah yeah <laughs> all right so the afa had a tech summit i don't know when was that like early january is that right yeah yeah like the 10 maybe yep and so during that tech summit there were nine different software demos that were all going on and we some representatives from the various software companies were there as, I don't know, something, and to answer questions after the demo played. And we had a little uh, private chat thing, and like some people started beating me up because they had not been invited on the show. And so I said, here, here's an invitation to all of you. Please come on the show. Which I responded with a challenge to a literal mm -hmm. wrestling match. You wanted to wrestle them. That's what I meant by that. <laughs> I don't know. I thought that they could just wrestle, and whoever won got to be oh, on the show. So they all wrestled one another, and the winner came on the show. That's a good idea. No. That's not really what I meant, but it's funny. Um, it is funny. So in response to that, we've some people have expressed some interest to be on the show, and we've extended an open invitation to all of the software, as we do to pretty much everybody in the fence industry. In the world. Basically. I yeah. mean, every show is a challenge to come, you know. Be our guest. <laughs> Wait, Come face to like face with Disney? me in the ring on Powerhouse Fence Show. Isn't there like a Disney song? <laughs> yes. Beauty and the Beast. That's the theme. Yeah. The theme of we. I set the tone with the Care Bears shirt. Now it's all cartoons from yeah. here on out. <laughs> uh, that's safe though. I think that's cool. It'd be cordial and friendly and fun. Um, Family so I, friendly. There we go. I did verify last night that the. Videos from the Tech Summit are available to anyone. You don't have to be an AFA member. You don't have to log in or anything else. I just put the link to all of those videos in the comments on both Facebook and YouTube here. Uh, so if you want to go check that out, because honestly, it took me a minute of fiddling around on their website to find it. Uh, so there is a link that will save you a little bit of time. But, cool. uh, so I'd like to introduce Amanda again because I. All right, let's do it. Part of the awkwardness mm. you're experiencing is I think I mispronounced her name after that whole five minute interview. No, you did not. I didn't. Good. I was no. like, did I just do it? I did it. So Amanda. So maybe, maybe you guys should introduce the guest like the first 
and then do your thing because it's like awkward. Am I supposed to just sit here and be quiet? I Hold can't. Like, I like that you didn't participate. There we go. Okay, good. <laughs> there we go. So Amanda DeBrot's been here with us, hanging out. Yeah, everyone's aware. So, but here's the time for you to give us a little bit uh, information about your business from Contractor Accelerator. Yeah, well, thank you. So we're gonna keep it brief because this isn't really about me or Sampalo. I mean, we can if we want to talk about it, but we have other things we want to talk about. That's more exciting. Um, but yeah, so I am Amanda DeBrot. Uh, I'm with co-founder of Contractor Accelerator. We started in 2015. My business partner and I um, developed the software kind of out, out of a need from an engineering standpoint because he was a residential engineer and was needing like good drawings, good information, was noting that, noticing this theme with contractors um, that they weren't organized. There was sticky notes all over their truck. He was getting drawings on the back of a napkin that was wrinkled up. So that's kind of where it started and obviously snowballed from there. The benefit of, of coming from another industry is that we've made the software flexible enough to work with anybody. Um, so if you do decks, if you do uh, retaining walls, if you do patios, you know, we can kind of incorporate all of those different areas into your business. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. <laughs> I agree. That's what I thought. <laughs> Perfect. Um, yeah, so, I mean, Contractor Accelerator, we're a CRM drawing bidding tool. Um, we're going to help you manage your complete business uh, life cycle or your project life cycle from start to finish. Um, and here in the last couple of years, we've really incorporated more features based on fencing. So when we got into fencing, like in 2019, we started seeing like a random or a reoccurring theme of needing components, needing some additional things that we just didn't have. So we've been supporting that in the last couple of years as well. So you guys actually have a facet of your software that is for sword fighting? <laughs> so these yeah. two both are looking at me and laughing whenever you say fencing. Dan Dan has a serious <laughs> pet peeve about the word fencing. Really? <laughs> so I just not I didn't say that to mess with you, but more to antagonize Dan. Yes. Really. Yeah. <laughs> and I try to just keep it to myself in public forums, but you Here can't, we are. You can't eradicate the word fencing from the fencing right. trade. No, you no. cannot. From the fence trade. It exists. It's but I there. think that's a really interesting topic for sure. Because uh, <laughs> yeah. that happens a lot. I'm like, I have to right. tell people it's not the sport. Yeah. Right. So next to software, fencing would be Dan's favorite topic. If you want to get a, a you know, 20-minute conversation out of Dan, just bring up the word fencing as it applies to the fence industry. Does it really take 20 minutes? Because I feel like I just like throw something down and then turn around and walk off. Careful. Grumpy. <laughs> See? That's why he got me the shirt. That's just kidding. I'm just kidding. I don't throw something down and walk off. Um, so y'all have I, – I did. I went back and watched your video from the Tech Summit. Um so you have like a, a full product catalog that you can build in there to create estimates and things like that, right? And it also will generate material list. So I think you made like a an omelet or something like that in the in the tech yeah. summit. So it had like how many eggs and all of that that went along with the omelet. Exactly. Yeah. And so Jen, my director of marketing and business development, kind of came up with the idea because everybody understands breakfast. Everybody likes breakfast. But if you equate breakfast item like an omelet to a section of fence or a foot of fence, kind of the same concept. It takes um, tangibles and intangibles. So it takes materials, it takes, you know, eggs and sausage and or bacon and cheese. Um, and then there's like the overhead that goes into that. So it's not just the materials, it's somebody's actually doing that work and then you, for the labor, and then you have the overhead of the restaurant. So you can kind of equate, you know, a section of fence the same way where you've got not 
and two, but then <laughs> <laughs> there we go. <laughs> where you've got, you know, if you're doing wood, it would be your pickets and your screws and your posts. So, and then you've got your labor and your, however you want to do overhead. That's a debate I've learned in this oh, industry, yeah. but, oh, yeah. um, <laughs> or not overhead or margin or however you want to consider that. Right. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So yeah, the software can handle that. And then you would go to the bid, you would add that, um, form for a, a section of fence for a wood fence or for an omelet. Um, and then it's going to spit out how many materials you need or how many, um, component items you're going to need to build that product. Right. And then all of that kind of rolls over into like a, a nice proposal that you can present to your customer. I saw you can attach like different medias with it. So you could send like brochures along with your proposal and things like that. Yeah, for sure. So you, the bid itself is going to have, um, it's a really professional PDF presentation. So it's not just an invoice. You get a cover page with the Google street view image pulled in automatically. It's going to have your logo. You'll have another page where it's going to list out all the products that you chose with some descriptions. Then you'll have like your pricing, your breakdown of uh, like uh, payment terms. And then you're going to have your drawing that you've built in or created in our software in addition to those marketing materials, like I said. So, yeah, it could be slick sheets. It could be videos if you wanted to link videos. Um, it's really flexible on what you can attach to that bid. Yeah, so I think the one you did in the Tech Summit, I think, was like nine or 11 pages long. So there was a lot of stuff in there. It had like yeah. uh, a couple pages that were like terms and conditions and stuff like that. And I think you said yeah, you could so kind of like change that depending on what the product was that you were offering as well. Exactly. So yeah, some people, most people do like a base contract, you know, what of your service, like this is what our terms and conditions. And then you can ask, ask, add disclaimers. So if you've got like a wood product that you're selling to the customer, you can automatically pull in like a wood disclaimer. So you can kind of tie those terms and conditions to products and then salespeople don't have to remember to add those to the contract. They just get pulled in automatically. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So you started. Yep. 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 <laughs> No, there's a whole video. I think it's, you know, 18 minutes long or something like that, where she like walks through the whole process on the, the AFA's website there. So, um, yeah, and just a, just a couple other things, if I can just wrap up, I just don't want right, to miss yeah, any yeah. of my notes. Yeah, for <laughs> um, sure. But the, the other things, you know, that kind of sets us apart, makes us a little unique in terms of the software is that you can schedule with pinpoints on a map. So that really makes sure that you're visually scheduling appointments close together. You're not crisscrossing, scheduling all over town. Um, the other thing is simplicity of setup. So we try to make our software as easy to use when you sign up. So the day that you sign up, you can literally start bidding in an hour. Um, so there's not a lot of like setting your products and, and your pricing or creating tools for the drawing. You can start making that drawing and making that bid right away and getting it out to your customer. Yeah. So to kind of like visualize that a little bit, I, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but when you go and you have a new lead and you're trying to schedule them, it pulls up a map, you put in their address and it like puts a little star on their address and you can see other leads, you know, around the city. So you can kind of like schedule it to where, you know, you already have a salesperson in that area. Yep. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Was... And you kind of flip through different days to see when you're going to be close or you right. know, land on a day. You don't have any appointments yet. Right. Um, <clears throat> the other thing is that what's nice about that is you can have a virtual office person so you can have a virtual uh scheduler or virtual admin assistant. or or virtual assistant um so we were talking at the beginning of the show about you're looking for some additional work but that person can be virtual because they don't have to know you know your city and where things are located addresses they can just put it in the address and it shows up on that map shane catton hello he said what's up y'all 
So I I don't know what has happened, but throughout the course of this week, I think just about every person I've talked to has mentioned virtual assistant. I got an email <laughs> like from UPS or something today, and I think it was just like it was so happened to be scrolled down a little bit, and I looked over at it, and there was a link that said virtual assistant. And I was like, this is just everywhere right now. You know, maybe I'm supposed to go get one. Maybe that's the answer, but it's I like, have found, uh, like, you know, when something somebody starts asking for something in the software, everybody starts asking for it. Yeah. It's it's kind of that universal universe effect. So, I think that's the universe telling you you need a virtual assistant. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it might be. Might need to check into it a little bit more. I actually have a website pulled up. Uh, one of somebody was signing up for Simpolo the other day, and they were telling me about it. And so I, I have a website pulled up right now for virtual assistants. So. Um, so you there said you that you could like sign up and kind of get going all in the same day. So you do have a setup wizard, right? That kind of walks you through the beginning steps there. Yep, for sure. How do you know so much? I'm impressed. You did your homework. I watched your video. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So back at the beginning of last year, we launched the setup wizard because we, we wanted to make it easy and we wanted to give you kind of a step-by-step -step process. And the setup wizard is intended that you can do a couple things, leave, come back, um, and it kind of gives you like points. It tells you, yeah, you finished this thing or you didn't. Um, but yeah, it kind of walks through all those different sections of the company profile and makes them formatted and easy to use way. Uh, I also built this really cool thing where you put in your website and it crawls your website looking for your logos and your colors and it pulls those in for you automatically. Yeah, that way if cool. you're sitting on your phone at night and you sign up, you can do all that from the house. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That was my thought because, you know, we were getting we're getting people through like Google ads. And so um, they're sitting there looking for software, sitting on their couch at night, come yeah. from a Google ad. They start using the software. They don't have their computer. They're on their phone. And I just wanted to make it easy. Yeah. Yeah. I know you said that during the, the tech summit. So I just. <laughs> you remembered. <laughs> yep. yep. So I stole your thunder on that one. <laughs> That's fine. You can take my thunder. It's fine. <laughs> All right. So was there any other features or anything like that you wanted to kind of touch on? Do you have any more? I mean, there? we can kind of talk about, you know, this year we want to do some more integration. So we're working with my salesman to get that integrated. We're doing some partnerships with like WiseTac um, to do, you know, customer or consumer financing. Um, and then credit card processing, I know, is a huge thing for uh, the fence industry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we're try <laughs> trying to get that incorporated as well. Um, we have some other things coming that's just going to increase our, our user friendliness, doing some... Uh, and like drawing updates so yeah there's a lot happening a lot uh, a lot coming on we're also working on bringing on some more development so we developers so we can start moving a little bit faster on some of those features as well yeah <clears throat> yeah that's cool so i, I was going to ask kind of like how did how did you get into the fence industry because i think you you started with like foundation repair is that right yeah yeah so what how did you transition from foundation repair and i know <laughs> you probably had maybe some other you know, trades between there and fence, but like, how did you wind up in fence? Yeah. So we had a, uh, my business partner had a business coach that was working with a, a fence company and he was like, you know, I think the software would work for you guys as well. Um, and so we started thinking about industries where with foundation repair, it could cost $20,000 to get, you know, piers installed in your house or if you're going to do some concrete flat work, you know, raising, um, those bids are a little bit higher. So it's not like traditional lawn care or HVAC, you know, you kind of have to be sold and presented something in the bid. And so that's where our software is a little bit more, you know, unique. And so with fence, the fence industry, I'm really trying not to say fencing, with the fence industry, um, it's similar where, you know, you're selling your customer a really, you know, 
a high value bid. It's you want to be presented something. You want to feel good about what they're offering you. Mm -hmm. And then with the marketing materials, especially with the defense industry, it's very similar with foundation repair, where you want them to feel confident about the products that you're selling them. And so that's where it's nice that you can attach those marketing materials to the end of the bid as well, because it kind of gives you some uh, reassurance that they're offering you good value products. Yeah, no, I think it's really cool to build that like nice proposal package that has everything in it. And um, yeah. I'm I'm a big advocate for like having professionalism in your presentation, right? Uh, instead of now, so we've already offended half of the people listening to this with the whole fencing thing. <laughs> I hope that I'm not going to offend <laughs> the other half of them by saying, like, I think it's better to have you know some kind of like typed, digitally prepared estimate that you're going to give to your customer instead of something that's like written on, right? You know, just uh, just one of these little notepad kind of things. Well, I've got a better one for you. So I won't tell where I'm living because then the, my local fence company might know. But no, so when we were trying to get into the fence industry, I was like, well, I'm actually in the process of putting a fence in my backyard. Let me call them. Let me go through this process and see what it's like. I was very shocked. So I had to leave a, a voicemail with somebody. They called me back the next day. He's like, well, how many linear feet do you have? And so I told him. And then he's like, well, it's going to be this much. And I was like, okay, but you haven't even seen my house. And I was like, can you like type something up and give me something in my email? So he just sends me an email and says, 150 linear feet of fence is going to be this much. And I was like, wow. Yeah. Right. We talk a good bit about that, about giving the customer more to go on than just the price. Deliver right? wow. My favorite yeah. phrase from Tony Thornton's event in October or December. Deliver wow. I will wow. say. Probably in their defense, they do a lot of um, like retail sales, so there's yeah. probably not as much that they're relying on for that for their business, but still. And I, I think it kind of depends on like your target customer too, you know, how much time and energy and all of that you have to go into uh, every bid that you're going to send out. I mean, I guess if you're trying to bid 40 jobs a day, then you probably don't have time to like create a nice presentation and go through all those steps. It's going to be something more like your experience probably. Well, when we were doing residential, our version of that would be to send them a printout from my salesman. So there is something that kind of shows at least something. But yeah. 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 So that was like our, our beginning step was we would, we would try not to go to their house too. Right. And we would uh, just put it in their address and my salesman draw it up and then it would send them the report and stuff out of it. So it wasn't, you know, it didn't, it wasn't anything that took a bunch of time, but it was something a little bit better than just an email that says, here's your prize. Right. Right. So you want to plug um, an email address or I mean a website or something, some information for how people can get in contact with uh, Contractor Accelerator? Yeah. So we have a website, contractoraccelerator.com. Uh, so you can go there, find out all the information, review our features, and then you can actually just start your trial from there as well. So we offer a two week free trial. Um, <clears throat> and Craig's plugging us right now. Craig, thank you. Uses our software. He says customers love it. Um, but yeah, uses so our software too. <laughs> yes. I'm just, I'm just kidding. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's fine. No, I'm I mean, just, I, like I said, there is no one solution that fits everybody, and especially with commercial jobs, you guys have an outstanding product for commercial jobs. So kudos to you. Um, but our mm -hmm. software is more made for residential that do maybe a little bit of commercial. Craig, for example. Um, so yeah, I, I think there's definitely room for everybody. I, I did a demo or something with somebody the other day. I don't remember who it was. If you're listening, I'm not going to mention your name. And uh, so they had a tab for all of the softwares. 
open at the same time. And they're like, yeah, I'm trying all of them. And like, nice. I'm going to see which one I like the best. And like, that's the one that I'm going to go with. have that person on the show. And I was like, you know, I mean, it's, it's a lot of work. Like you're putting in a lot of work to go through and get set up and, you know, learn how to at least somewhat use all the different softwares that are out there. But I mean, at the same time, you know, it's not terrible to have like but firsthand experience to figure out which one fits best with your business. Is that any different than what your customer does when they're getting multiple quotes? It's the same yeah. thing. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And it's a lot of work, but it's yep. worth it in the end. Yeah. So, so you just gotta you gotta wow them, which is what I've tried to do. There we go. Right. You wanna deliver wow. <laughs> That's right. Yes. So earlier you said there was a feature that you added. So yes. you are you actually a developer? I am actually a developer. Yeah. So I actually did not, you know, go to college for development. I uh, got my degree in urban planning and design. Shout out to UMKC. Um, <laughs> that was a bet. <laughs> Zach, you're betting against me? What the heck? Um, yeah, and so I kind of self-taught. I got really interested in web development, you know, in my early 20s. I uh, started doing uh, it on my own, and then that's kind of how my business partner and I started together. Um, I built the software out. Um, we've had some developers along the way help us, but yeah, I've continued to be here and, and lead development. So, so you know, you never went to school for software development. You were self-taught and you, I guess, created at least a large portion of Contract Accelerator. Yeah, that's pretty absolutely. cool. Yeah. That's cool. Awesome. Yeah. I, I mean, I you don't have to go to college for everything and I'm sure everybody else in the chat would agree. Um, Oh yeah, most of the the skills that I learned in college, while I use, I mean, I use a good bit of them today. Um, I don't regret going to college. I think it's a good experience, but you can be successful if not going to college as well. Absolutely, I went to college for like eight years, and I never had any degree <laughs> in anything, and I had like a point zero one GPA across those eight years. So, <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. At I, one school, or did you switch it up? Oh, no, I went to a few. I tested out all the schools. There you go. There you go. He had tabs open for yeah, every one. That's right. <laughs> oh, that's and, amazing. And they would want, they would be like, do you have a transcript from another school? Uh-uh. I've never been to school. You don't need to worry about that. But, nothing to see here. But, yeah, so right. um, – Mostly self-taught, learning from others, learning along the way, trial and error. Um, I mean, it, it, yeah, that's kind of how it, how it works. Uh, I'm definitely unique in being a social person and being a developer. Uh, I think that that's definitely a stigma that a lot of developers suffer from. But it's also what has made uh, the software what it is because I'm able to communicate with customers and kind of understand their needs and understand how to structure, you know, the software moving forward. Um to work in a way that helps us keep growing and evolving the software. Mm. That's pretty awesome. Um, as we uh, as we progress here, we'll we'll talk about our experience of uh, developing software a little. Progress bit. in our schedule. Yeah, yeah. There we go. In whatever this document is called, schedule. I think we no, outline. Outline. Yes. Schedule. Schedule. Outline. Better than agenda. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. It's no longer an agenda. I got it. Uh, would you like to mention any of your like upcoming? Well, you you already talked about features yeah. a little bit, but do you yeah. have any events that that you're gonna be like an exhibitor at or anything people could come by? 
we are going to the Finn show. Uh, I think that's in September this year. Um, yeah. So we will be there. Um, I don't know if there's any other ones specifically coming up. We try to not go to a ton of trade shows just because I'm sure you know they're expensive. They are um, crazy yeah, so, expensive. Yes. But uh, yeah, I don't know. At this point, for sure, the Finn show, but we're open. So I would like to say to anyone listening that it's never, if you've never exhibited at a trade show, and you walk in there and you see all these giant booths that are full of people and all of this stuff. I mean, just understand those people are spending a ton of money to do that for you. Right. And so even like the little folks like us that are over here, like, I mean, we're, it's a pretty good bit of money to go to that thing and just show up and try to like show out a little bit for the benefit of the attendees. You know, it's cool for us to step back and look at what we did in our booth and all of that stuff. And, you know, we're trying to make sales, obviously, but like, you know, it's all for you. So enjoy it. Like, just <laughs> just soak it in. It's wild just overheard. Say, just, say, just say thank you every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I overheard one of the event center uh, staff talking about how one of the exhibitors basically just left the whole contents of their booth. Are they just went yeah, they just left everything, just left it all. And wow. oh, it, it's funny because then I saw a few days later on uh, one of the social media platforms, I can't remember which, uh, an, <laughs> an event center saying there's always that one booth. And it was just a picture of like a booth completely set up and the whole space is empty. Wow. Oh, they just leave everything. That's crazy. That crazy man. That, that does not make me feel good. That no, I don't like that. There's no telling what they charge you when you do that too. Because I mean, you have a credit card on file. Like they're just gonna rack up whatever it costs them to clean it out. Right. So that that's crazy. So uh, all right, yeah. So I, you know, we made Simpalo, and so you mentioned being able to understand your customers and kind of like figure out what they need. So I can honestly say that was probably the biggest challenge. Maybe not the most surprising thing, but the biggest challenge that I faced was trying to get the developers to understand what I was saying and, yeah. you know, try to try to figure out how to get something that was in my mind. And like I knew how I wanted it to work, but try to get it to them was very difficult. Well, and I think let's let's kind of back up a minute and kind of talk about what we wanted to talk about today, our theme. Because oh, uh, I, don't, I don't know if anybody knows because <laughs> it's like we're 38 minutes in. Uh but I, what we bring in this conversation, the value that we bring is that we've both created software. Um, <laughs> there's this new face. <laughs> um, and so from that perspective, we hear everyone. Me? Yeah, we're talking about you. Yeah. I, did, your hat. I did trim my beard up. I got the new backwards hat look. The hat though. backwards, that's it. Yeah. Um, so we have both created software. We understand, you know, what it takes to, to put, what it takes to get something off the ground. Um, but I often hear customers say, well, I'm thinking about just building my own. Um, and so I think that that is a unique conversation and a, you know, learning opportunity for others. You know, if that's the route that you want to go, kudos to you. But we kind of wanted to put some transparency on that conversation. But here's what you can expect. Right. I like how yeah. she's over here, like being the host of the show. That's good. <laughs> cool. Yeah. She's like, wait a minute. Y'all need to get in line. <laughs> I'm sticking to the outline. <laughs> yeah. We just have it on the screen and we kind of like read it sometimes, I think. But yeah. So exactly like she said, if you're thinking about developing software, uh, in fact, I put on here, it's not like ordering a pizza, right? It's not going to just. You call them and tell them, hey, I want a pizza, I want a software, and it shows up. It's a lot of freaking work. 
Um, so, so I got a question. You mentioned you the business started in 2015. Was that when you yeah. launched the software? Is that when the like the no. consummation of the <laughs> idea began? So we incorporated our filing with the state of Missouri was in 2015. Okay. But we did not start selling until probably uh, 12, 13 months after that. It's not yeah. too bad. So that's something else to consider. You know, you have an idea, you start a business, but that doesn't mean you get to start selling it on day one. And that was you full-time developing with yeah. various other people helping you throughout the course of it? Is that At right? that point, it was just me just yeah, for the first year. Yeah. So, so you, it was just the two of you guys? In 2016? Uh, yeah, so I was developing and cool. he was selling. Yeah. Cool. Oh, Canon. You, Dan, you have a lot of expertise. You should offer some private 101s to help some of us navigate some of these things that are just supernatural for you. <laughs> okay. So um, I'll kind of speak to that. So I, Canon and I have obviously talked about this, but uh, I get a lot of people calling me now wanting to ask me questions about commercial fence and all this. And I was like, wait a minute, I can't spend my entire day talking to people about their business. I need to work on mine some too. And so I kind of came up with this, uh, this idea where I was like, you know what, if you want help, I'm more than willing to do it, but I'm going to charge you for it. Um, yeah. And I mean, if you just call and ask a question every now and then, that's no big deal. But I'm going to start offering like hour long sessions. It'll be like a one on one deal through Zoom. So that's what Canon wanted me to tell you. You have to charge for your time. Your time is the most valuable thing. Anyone listening, um, offering free consultations, I mean, or if somebody has some, they want to pick your brain about business advice, yes, charge them. Yep. Your time is valuable. Yep. So I will be, uh, I'll be offering that, you know, kind of around the like commercial fence space. There you go, Canon. Thank you for that. Thank you for that segue. And thank you for the applause. You're welcome. Um, I did see something built into Calendly, I think, like that, where you can start charging. So you say yep. schedule and start paying all in one. Yeah, that's right. So it all, it'll do it all. Um, I've just kind of been doing it for people. And, you know, I said I was sitting in my office at home the other night until like 11 or so at night making a video for some guy. And I was like, you know, this is dumb. Like, I mean, I'm taking away from everything else in my life, whether it's here at work, at home with my family, whatever it is. And, you know, the further we get along the further we go along in this and the more we do this i feel like that's just going to increase more and more and it comes a lot from the show it also comes from simpalo and all of that so like i'm just trying to create a boundary right and if you want to ask me questions and stuff like that that's cool but also do some research yourself like you know don't just immediately start calling people um but anyways so that's what that was so it took you it took you uh, a little bit over a year full-time developing to create contractor accelerator um and so i put on here it took me it took developers about 1500 hours to get like to my mvp so that's the minimum viable product and, and that's what we had at that point too yeah yeah and so we've made you know it, and it's not like you just get there and stop you're perm in my experience it feels like i'm basically permanently tied to a developer because there's always going to be little things I want to tweak and add and bugs that pop up. And like, you know, somebody tries something that I never thought to try and like it breaks the software. And, you know, so you're constantly having developers come in and kind of work on stuff. And by the time I got to the MVP, it also felt like I had 1500 hours in it because again, I was trying to tell them what I wanted 
and like you know i was trying to make excel spreadsheets and i mean really crude like <laughs> photoshop things and i mean i'm over here like screenshotting and drawing up and oh which reminds me do you use apple <laughs> i saw that in your question yeah yes <laughs> so that's very interesting i don't I, it's interesting to me because you're a developer Right. And so I, everyone that I've ever met that's kind of either a developer or like even, you know, pretty like good with computers and kind of like dabbles in it a little bit, like they're all anti-Mac. And so I don't know, maybe, uh, maybe your I, friends are different, but. I don't know if it's like a, an age group thing or like a, depending on the type of code, the type of developer you are. Um, mm. But most of the developers I meet are Mac users. So. Oh, wow. Cool. All right, so I'm just uh out of date here. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think so. Team yeah, Mac let's. Is uh, in the house. <laughs> is Zach a Mac? Yeah. Apple? No, no, I'm not. He has an iPhone and he despises it. Actually, I'm learning. How, I'm having uh, whatever. You're getting a forced education. Yeah. Yeah. I actually was talking to my UX UI designer today um about something. It was like a clicking a directions link and. I was like, I wonder how many Mac versus uh, or Apple versus Android users we have. And actually, I was really surprised. I thought it would be closer. We have way more Apple users. Wow, that's cool. So do you yeah. think that's people on like phones and iPads and stuff like that? Or do you think it's? Yeah. 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 So yeah. that's a that's a good segue into one of the questions I was going to ask you is, do you think that people should hire in addition to their developers? Should they also hire like, you know, I don't know what the terminology is, but UX, UI designers? Yeah. So it's yeah. a user experience, user interface designer. So it's a, whatever they're going to see when they go to the website or the application, that is the designer. So I think we need to kind of take take a step back again. Um, it kind of depends on, depends on what you want to do. So when you decide, yes, I'm going to build a software, kind of like you, did you know out of the gate that you wanted to start selling it? Or did you want to create it for your own use? I think that's the number one thing you have to figure out. Are you creating software to reproduce and sell to make money? Or are you just creating it for internal use? Because that's two different things for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, I, I can see how that would play a big role in like your user interface. If it's for sale, you want it to look a lot more presentable. Yeah. yeah. Well, and what I have determined, uh, a new term I came, I found out last week, actually, blue collar software is kind of what the hot market thing is right now, which is what we've created. Um, so it's software for blue collar workers, obviously. And so in that regard, you have to make sure that it's user friendly and it's easy to understand. And the buttons are a certain color for a certain reason. And that button is or that type of interaction is always going to be that color. So yes, absolutely. If you're making software to reproduce, it, you need a UX UI designer. Your developer is not going to be a designer. And if they say they're a designer, they're not. So, <laughs> or if they say they're a designer, they're not a good developer. So here's what are... happened with me was they started making it. And I just called them up. And uh, so I had access pretty early on. Um, and I was like in there messing stuff up the whole time they were trying to make it, you know. And I called them up whenever I kind of like first logged in. And I was like, y'all y'all need to stop. Like, we need to change this whole user interface because this thing is hideous. It's so terrible. And he's like, oh, well, you know, I thought it looked okay. I was like, no, this is junk. And yeah. uh, he's like, all right. So uh, he sent me a link that was, I'm getting like 42 notifications at the same time. Uh, so he sent me a link that was uh, like templates, right? And so if you go on Simpalo, it's actually built all, the whole user interface and everything is built from a template. Um, so how do you feel about that? Are you cool with using templates or do you, do you not like that? 
No, I actually early on I used a framework for the the styling, which is what kind of what you see the style sheet. So the buttons were common. It came from like a framework, so it made it easy to build things a little bit faster. Um, so it's similar to what you're talking about with a template. But yeah, I mean, absolutely, there's nothing wrong with developing or coding producing something that way it just makes things go a little bit faster rather than having to custom build it from scratch so the framework is what i'm calling a template is that right kind of kind of sort of it depends i'm not quite sure how you made your software so like, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> um all right so my experience I, I like to use this analogy i like to say uh you know as we were like i said i got pretty access pretty early on and i used it myself for like a year before we ever launched it at Finstech. Um, and of course, you know, things were being developed and added and all of that throughout the course of that year. But my experience was I would go in there and be like, oh, hey, this thing is broken and they go fix it and then it would break something else. And so I like to use the analogy. It's like if you took your car to the shop and you told them to fix the headlight, then the bumper would fall off the back of the car. And then they like put the bumper back on and then your window won't roll up, you know, and it was kind of that type of stuff seemed to happen quite a bit. Is that. Is That's it, a little bit of a red flag for your developer. <laughs> <laughs> sorry but yeah oh, i mean nice. you, so you would expect your developer to build it in Is a way that where i plug the developer <laughs> right <laughs> insert developer's name here right yeah yeah Just kidding. um but i don't i mean i don't know for sure but that's my assumption um so you want to build it in a way that if you do change one thing it's not going to affect everything else and so um that type of development and coding is what we call kind of like future proofing so mm -hmm. you can build it cheap and fast and it, you have something out there but it's not necessarily future proof um and so that's something that you want to be aware of and if you're okay with that that's you know that's okay um, but like I said, it depends on why you're building it. Are you building it for internal use or are you building it to sell? You, you kind of want to maybe strike a middle balance where you're building it faster, but you're still, you know, you have some of that, that, um, that stuff that's going to carry you for a little bit longer. Right. Yeah. Future proofing. It's very important. And <laughs> so we actually, uh, we, we had a little issue pop up in there after Finstech. And so one of the products, um, you know, you can go in and like add all components and everything and yourself, but like, I try to build a, a, out like a decent catalog that gives people a place to start. And so one of the products, I went in and added a bunch of other stuff. And when it was trying to clone it, it like somehow broke the connection with the database or something like that. And so we kind of been fighting a little bit there. I don't know. I see that funny look on your face. Like what? <laughs> That was just at this past Finstech or from yeah, last year? Yeah, just this past Finstech. <laughs> so I like uh, by adding gates because a gate comes with its own list of components, which has a list of specs and a list of options and all calculations and everything. So I increased what was like cloning by probably, I don't know, 50 or 60 or 70% or something like that by adding right. more gates in there. And so I guess it was a it put a lot more strain on it. And so they've been in there like changing the way somehow they like separated some different processes to where they didn't affect one another and all of this kind of crazy stuff. But they're, uh, we're still kind of, you know, feeling a little bit of that pain. It's, it's kind of, it works most of the time now. It's the time to introduce the question. What if you have to change developers during the process? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that's uh, that's a good segue into one of the other questions that you have in there. Mm. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, the, the, these are all things to consider for sure. Uh, 
I think you 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 have to really understand if you're going to get into software and be an owner of a software application, you really need to kind of understand how that software works. You know, what does it mean to have a software application? I'm sure you've gotten a whole education in the last couple of years on what that means, but it's not just what you see. There's things happening behind the scenes. There's processes. There's where you got to actually host the thing. Um, there's a website domain. There's all of these little facets to it. There's a database where it's holding all of the data. Um, so if you can understand all of those different pieces, that's going to put you miles ahead when you get down the road working with a developer. Well, so not only hosting it somewhere, but like you've got to have, you know, processing power and memory and all of these other things allocated to it as well. And like that has to be kind of adjusted, right? So the way yeah, that ours is set up, like the, we're adjusting that to cover the load that's being put on it. Because, you know, the more and more of that you allocate to your software, the more it costs you, I guess, at the server farm or, you know, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Load balancing, that's what they call that. Yeah. Redundancies, load balancing, yeah. So if you get an influx of users and something happens, yeah, it can just turn up a new server and you're good to go. Right. Yeah, so that's a whole nother thing that happens behind the scenes. And so I actually put in here in the outline somewhere that like you might be, you know, three or four, I don't know, depending on what you're making, but like several months into something before you ever even have anything to look at. Um, so, you know, that was kind of weird too for me is like, oh, you've been working on it two weeks. Can I see it? And they're like, there's nothing here yet. Like you want to see some code? Um, you say yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, let me look at some foreign language that I don't understand. <laughs> Looks good. But regardless, yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, I think the other thing is um, having access to the database because think of a database as like a bunch of Excel spreadsheets. I mean, everybody can kind of understand an Excel spreadsheet. Um, so it's just a, a place where you're storing that data. So if you can kind of understand like what those structures look like, make sure that, you know, it, it feels right. Maybe ask other people if this makes sense. Um, definitely get some second opinions just so you understand that the software is being set up in a way that is going to work for all of the future cases that you have. And so I think, you know, being able to communicate that with the developer, what your long-term plans are, what all the future ideas are that you have, and making sure the software or the structure, the database is set up in a way that can handle all of those ideas that you have for the future as well. So that's a good point because that was something that took me a little bit to figure out. Um, initially, like I, I didn't make the connection that I need to tell them what, like, okay, right now we're building part number one. Well, I need to tell them what part number two, three, four, five, six are going to be as well. That way they understand how to build part number one so that it'll flow into the next ones down the line. Well, as well. and here's the other thing. Is part number one, two, three, and four, and five very, like, structurally the same? Or are they completely different? Because then you build the data set in a different way to handle all those different use cases. Mm-hmm. We're talking very theoretical. I'm sure people are like, right. uh. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, you know, it's really hard to talk about just like developing software because, I mean, what is it? Like, what are you trying to make? I feel like there's a, mm -hmm. it's kind of like having a conversation about building a fence. I mean, what kind of fence? Where is it going? You know, there's a lot of yeah. other yeah. details. But, but um, so the way that I picked a developer was I first reached out to our local IT company that we use. And I said, hey, I'm, well, I'm thinking about making this software. Do you know any developers or do you have any pointers or anything like that? And he said, yeah, I can give you, you know, several people that I know that like, you know, we sit on boards together and, you know, people that I've just kind of run across throughout the course of my career. And so I just started interviewing people. 
And so, I mean, I would like call and just talk to these different developers and kind of give them like a conceptual idea of what I wanted to make and, you know, just kind of get to know them a little bit and learn some about their history and their experience and all. And it's really hard because like at the end of the day, you have to make a choice on someone. So do you have any pointers for somebody like how would you find a developer and hire one? Yeah. So finding a developer, there's a lot of services out there um, that you can, you know, post a job or post a project and they can um, like apply for it or bid on it. Um, so there's some of those connections out there. I think what you did is a great uh, way to get to a developer, find a, find a friend, um, you know, for a recommendation. I think when you're talking to developers and trying to find the right one, it's kind of like hiring or, or interviewing an, an employee that's going to be working for your company. So you want to feel good about that person. You want to feel like that you can communicate with each other. You want to feel like they know what they're talking about. Even if you don't know what they're talking about, feel like they know what they're talking about. Um, and make sure that, that you can understand each other because I think there's a, you know, miscommunications that can happen a lot. You got to make sure that they can be transparent and honest. Um, but at the end of the day, you got to feel good about them. You got to know that they can do the job and maybe not do the job perfectly, but if they can do the job enough, then, you know, the rest can be ironed out later. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, number one is just making sure that you guys can communicate and that you can, you know, have a good dynamic for me. It's all when I hire anybody, it's all about culture and making sure that we can have a good dynamic, we can communicate, we're all virtual, so it's a little bit more difficult. And so that's number one for me. And also obviously being able to do the job. Right. Yeah, so I actually interviewed someone the other day and there was a another member of our team sitting in the room with me and they did not like it very much at all. Um, because like the first 30 minutes of our interview was kind of just like, not really structured or anything like we were kind of we talked about this person's past and you know kind of talked about the job and our company and all but like it was pretty loosey-goosey and the other person that was sitting there with me did not like that at all and i was like if we're gonna hire someone we need to make sure that they they fit with our team and like you know that we this is someone that we want to be around and so really kind of had a hard time like driving that point home with them but maybe i did it wrong like maybe that's their point that yeah that was what I was trying to do, but like, no, Dan, you screwed it up. That may have been the case. But. So let, let's say you get, you hire a developer and uh, you get six months in and you're like, man, these people are just not doing what I need them to do. What do you have any, uh, yeah, made it through one course on code Academy before deciding it wasn't not for me. Uh-huh. I, uh, I, I looked into uh, something I don't even know if they do it still, but Apple used to have like an Apple university where you could go and you could like take virtual courses, kind of a lot of course material was on there. And I mean, it would be stuff from like Harvard and MIT and, you know, like all pretty prestigious universities. And you could kind of just like follow along with the class. Obviously you didn't interact with anyone, but I did that. And I, I kind of like started watching a couple of them for some sort of coding way back before I ever hired a developer or anything. And I was like, yep, I don't think I want to take on this. I don't think this is something I'm learning in my life. Uh, but anyways, sorry. Do you have any advice for like, how would you end a relationship with one developer and transition to another? Yeah, for sure. Um, so software usually is built in a way where it can be handed off. Um, I think taking a step back again, 
Um, you want to make sure that you own the code. You want to make sure that the, the servers that it's on are owned by you, that all of that is your information, your content. I was actually just talking to Sam about this the other day on Facebook. You know, if you have a website, you need to make sure you own that website. You need to make sure you have access to the domain name, to where the website's hosted. Um, because it's like, I, my analogy was, it's like giving someone the keys to your office and only they can unlock it for you when you want to come in for the day. Um, so all of that needs to be under your name. You need to have access and control. With that, um, you need to create an agreement with the developer that if you want to pick up and move at any point, that they will provide the code and you can do that. You can also host the code, I definitely recommend, on some kind of uh, shared repository, like online repository, where you have access to the code at any point in time. And so that way, the code is still owned by you. And then if you wanted to bring on somebody else, it can be picked up and put with another developer. Um, the other thing I was going to say is as they're developing, you need to make sure they're developing it in a way where they're documenting, you know, all of the content, all of the, the structure, the rules, um, you know, how connections are made. That way, if you need to move it to somebody else, that can be done as well. So I did most of that. I don't <laughs> know how well they documented anything when they were making it, though. But yeah. uh, so I, I did. I had an attorney draw up an agreement. Uh, that you know, I executed in the development company executed before we ever did anything that was like, I'm going to own 100% of the code, I have full access to it, I can take it with me at any point, and there's nothing you can do about it, basically. Um, so I, I did have the, you know, foresight or whatever to it, at least have that in there. I don't know if you know this story, but I'm not going to mention any names, but there's someone else that I know who developed some software. And they started down the path with a developer, and I don't know how far they made it, you know, several months down the road, and then they fired the developer. Well, guess what? The developer kept all the code and everything else, and so they had absolutely nothing to show for it at the end of the day other than a bunch of check stubs that they had written the developer. So uh, I would say definitely, Thanks. yeah. I know a similar story, but it was a little bit different terms. But, yeah, they lost like a couple hundred thousand dollars mm. in time. Yeah, yeah, both of which are very important. Mm -hmm. uh, Absolutely. Do you, do you think there's any benefit of hiring a developer that's like local to you in today's world? I mean, I think it goes back to that relationship. So how comfortable you feel, uh, you can certainly find someone remote um, and feel you know good about them, feel like they're providing you all the information. You can do screen shares, see the code. You can have that repository, like I said, where you can see the code at any point. I don't know that it's necessary, but if you're just getting started and you want to learn more about it and you want to be one-on-one -on -one and, and kind of sit in a room and kind of go through like ideas, it's definitely helpful. But I mean, some of that can be done with, you know, coming, flying in for like a week and, you know, doing the same thing, but it's not necessary, but it might make the process a little bit better. Yeah. So my developers are remote and <clears throat> I've spent a pretty substantial amount of time sitting in teams with them doing like virtual calls and stuff like that throughout the course of all of this. But I've also made a ton of videos where I'm, I'll, I'll tell them like, Hey, this thing is broken. Oh, well show me how you break it and show me what is broken. And so yeah. then you have to like, I'll use like ScreenFlow or whatever, and I just record a video and, you know, I have to go through and show them like, all right, I click here, I click here, I click here, I do this and boom, it's broke. And then I upload that into YouTube and I send it to them. And so, I mean, I've had to, I've spent a lot of time doing that, but uh, I guess it depends on like 
if somebody was sitting in the room next to me, I would be like, hey, come look at this, you know. But, I mean, even if somebody was across town, I'm not going to go get in the car or the truck or whatever and drive across town to go show them that. I probably would still do it the same way I am. Um, yeah. Well, and you got to think about their time and being efficient with your time. And when you get into a room one-on-one, then you go on to other tangents, and so it's not oh, yeah. necessarily productive. So what you're doing is probably the most efficient. Yeah, it seems to work pretty well. And, you know, I at first I didn't do it, but then I later on figured out, like, I even go and I chapter the videos that I'm making. That way, if I'm covering three or four different things, I'll, like, chapter it for the three or four so they can share it with their team and all, too. So, uh, yeah, nice. we already... We already talked about a lot of this. Um, I think um, we should talk about kind of how will you structure an agreement with a developer. I think that would be a really interesting topic. Okay. For sure. So mine was a little unique um, with my business partner because I'm kind of the developer in that world, but then I kind of took over and started, you know, being the the one in charge of it. But um, so him and I, it was more like, uh, here's a flat amount of money that I'm going to pay you for a year and let's see what we can do with it. Um, and so at that point I wasn't an owner, um, but along the way I have taken on ownership and, and so my, like I said, is very different, um, in terms of the dynamic that you had, but I think if you're going to reach out and find a developer, it it, again, depends on what you're trying to do. If you're trying to build it for internal, if you're trying to build it to sell, if you're trying to build it for internal, you know, create a structure of maybe like, I'm going to pay you hourly this much money, but don't exceed this much per month or, Here's the amount of money I'm going to give you for the entire project or for the for one year. It depends on if you want to bring them on as an employee 100%, you know. Um, that's another thing to consider. You can just bring on a developer as an employee. I mean, that obviously takes some overhead to, to account for. But back to what you said in the beginning, like, once you have an MVP, you're going to have to continue to have a developer throughout the life cycle of that product. You would never want to just build a product and just release it out there and not have anybody that can manage it, continue to build on it, even if it's for internal use. Mm-hmm. You want to have somebody that can maintain those servers, do updates, um, you know, do backups, make sure that everything's running like it's supposed to. You don't want to just release it to the world and walk away. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so what about uh, communicating some sort of a timeline or deadline? I mean, I can imagine we know that it took, can take and has taken each of you guys a pretty long time to get to this MVP. But as a customer, say I'm the guy who's like, you know what, I've decided to go through with it um should could i dictate or designate any sort of timeline in which i expect to see this usable product for the first time absolutely yeah so again it comes to that transparency communication so create milestones say you know here's kind of what i want for mvp and kind of break those down into into maybe projects and then break those projects down into milestones so everybody's language so as a project (laughs) manager that sounds right to me you know so yeah so you take a big thing you break it into smaller things and then a little bit smaller things so that you have some milestones you want to reach that you want to get to and everybody feels like you're you're making progress you know you may not see all of it up front but you get to see little chunks along the way so i would say on that Kind of going back to what I said earlier, it's really difficult to get developers to understand (laughs) what you want. Uh, So for me personally, I was given a budget by, I I think, uh, at least three different software developers. I never was confident that any of the three knew what I really wanted them to do. And so I made an Excel spreadsheet. And I sent it to the developer that I hired and I was like, okay, here's all the, the, 
you know, different combinations and all the math that it takes and everything to calculate material for a chain link fence. And they looked at it and they called me and they said, do you know that what you sent me has something like 13 or 15 million possible combinations in it? And I was like, well, I told you there was a lot of options out there and a lot of different ways you could do it. Like, why didn't you understand that? And so, you know, just trying to get everybody on the same page. And so one, whenever you look at a budget at the beginning of the thing, make sure that they understand what they're getting into, what you want, and, you know, kind of like the way that it's going to work, right? So for instance, with me, I don't know that they understood that I wanted it to where you could go in there and you could change every single thing about it. Or if they thought they were going to be able to just go in there and hard code it, right? So now they have to build a system to where you can go in there and change it instead of just hard coding everything in there. And the other thing that I was going to say, I definitely forgot. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh. So another thing that happened with me was like, I'm a pretty particular person. And throughout the course of this development, I would frequently tell them, oh, you did this, but I don't like the way that it's done. So now you're going to have to do it again. Right. So when you, in my opinion, when I looked at that budget and I mean, we blew the budget out of the water, like it was, you know, a pirate ship or whatever. Um, (laughs) Nuclear bomb. Yeah, exactly. And so whenever I, but I knew that on the front end, right. When I looked at their budget and I was like, they don't understand what they're getting into. Right. And they don't understand who I am and the way that I'm going to make them do stuff multiple times. And so I was prepared to go way over budget. Um, but anyways, yeah, so they would do something. And I'm like, no, I don't like that. Like, that's not good enough. It's that it doesn't work well enough, whatever the case may be. And I would have them do it again. And so what's that doing? That's one is you're spending money on that. And then two, it's pushing that timeline back. And so if we had sat there and made all of these milestones and everything else at the beginning of my project, it would have been good for absolutely nothing within three weeks. I think that's where you have to understand the entire scope of what you're planning to do. And so mm-hmm. whether that's done in a visual way, like maybe create wireframes. Um, there's a really cool tool I use called My Balsamic. Very weird name. But you can create really simple wireframes of kind of what your intention is. Like, I want a page that's going to you know, look like this. I'm going to have a box here and some buttons here. Or maybe just list out features. Yeah. Um, and I want to be able to do this, this, and this, and this. So you kind of have to visually, but also uh, be able to write kind of a project overview for each of those different things. So that's a tool you use as a developer, kind of like a to produce a skeleton framework for what you uh, plan to. Essentially, yeah. So, so the way that we work, I have my UX UI designer, and so oftentimes I'll kind of throw into my balsamic my idea. What did you you have your what designer? Yo yo UX designer. UX UI. UX UI. So we'll call him Casey. Casey's my UX UI designer. Oh, they're a human being. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to talk about my team. Uh, So Casey is the UX UI designer, um, or you know, all things design for our for our software and company. And so I can take those wireframes. It's basically black and white, you know, line drawings. Essentially, is what it is. Yeah. of my idea and I translate it to him and then we have a conversation about it. You know, it's, he's like, you know, ask me all the possibilities. What do I want to work here? Is this going to be a drop down? Is this going to go to a different page? Like, so we kind of go through all of those different things. So we're creating that project overview, like what we just talked about, like a scope. So as a prospective customer of your de- software design um, service, would you suggest to me that I build something like that to be able to translate to you what it is that I want this thing to do? Or would that if I'm a developer, be... who am I in this situation? Am I you're a developer? This, you're, still, you're just you. 
You're just you. <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying. building software for anybody. <laughs> well, yeah, so in this, we keep we keep talking about people who want to build software. Say I want to build yeah. the software, you know, um, would it be beneficial for me to get into my balsamic, build out this yeah. thing, and then Maybe bring some that wireframing? Yeah, so, that so gives you a, a head. Yeah, that gives you a head start and do you know what you want this thing to look like and sure. how you want it to function. So there are some you, circumstances in the trade that I work in, which is ornamental fence and fence building, um, that people do some kind of homework and bring it to me, which makes it a little more complicated. That's why I'm asking the question, you know? Uh, oh, it makes it more because they have expectations. <laughs> right. And uh, Yeah. So one thing that I've found, and I don't know if this existed whenever we started the process, but I found now there's software, there's like no code app development software that you can use. And so um, I think the way that that stuff is kind of like one of the reasons that someone would use it is in order to create like a prototype of how they want their software to work or something like that, right? And so um, Potentially. I, yeah. Have, have you ever messed around with any of that? Do you have any? I have not, but I will say that's probably also if you're going to build something for internal use, you would want to do something like that, that, that you can kind of plug and play and make something. But yeah, I mean, that again, gives you a leg up and kind of what you want this product to function or what you want it to be, how you want it to function, maybe some of the interactions, some of the different pages. So in summary, I was just looking at the time. So in summary, what I can say is, again, it's really difficult to get something from your mind into the developer's mind and make them understand it. Uh, honestly, at most points throughout the process, that's difficult. Um, so I, I think when you're initially talking and like having this whole budget conversation, it was hard for me. Okay, so I'll say at least in my experience, it was difficult. And then also, you know, just trying to explain to them how you want things to work and all of that stuff, it, it's challenging. So I think as much stuff as you can do on the front end, whether that's your wireframe stuff in balsamic or, you know, whatever way you can do it to like convey that information to them so that they can understand is going to expedite your entire process and it's going to save money too. So, yeah. Well, and again, that's why I said one of the biggest things when you're trying to find a developer is can you communicate? Can they understand what you're saying? Yep. Yep. That's right. I agree. So yeah. I think we can. So uh, as far as your budget, did you hit your budget? <laughs> You blew it out of the water. Oh yeah, so yeah. We hit, we hit the budget like a few times. I mean, it was like a, it was like Mike Tyson versus an amateur boxer. <laughs> you hit the budget and you circled back around. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's another thing is uh, for expectation of time and money, don't expect <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna go above above and beyond. It's no matter expensive. how much planning, yeah. It's expensive and it takes a lot of time. Um, so well, I, here's I the other question. I'm sorry. I was going to ask you, at the end of the day, do you regret? Are you, are you happy with going down that journey? Yes. Yeah. I am. So, uh, I'd try to yeah. live life without regret and be like, hey, everything I've done has led me to where I am today. Um, and so, you know, I, I do kind of have that outlook on everything. But also, I mean, I'm happy with what I have today. Um, so my wife asked me early on, she's like, well, what if nobody signs up? Cause we did intend to sell it from the beginning. And she asked me, she's like, well, what if nobody signs up for it? I was like, I got something that's going to make my life easier. Like worst case scenario, it's going to work for me and it's going to mm -hmm. work for our business. And if nobody else wants it, I'm okay with that. Um, yeah. I mean, 
you know, we, so we sold everything that we had and lived with her parents for two years and like did the whole thing of, you know, entrepreneur, entrepreneurship and, uh, (laughs) experienced that whole world to do it. So like, it was, you know, a lot of risk and I've, so I will say, uh, I've launched almost a year ago at FinSec last year, I've recouped $0 that have gone back into my pocket because every dollar that I've gotten has gone back into development. So, uh, I don't know how long it takes if you decide to start a software that you're going to sell. I don't know how long it takes for you to like create it and then sell it and then start like reaping some of the reward from that. But in my experience, uh, it's indefinite right now. It's, uh, it's a, a long, lot. a long damn time. I'll tell you yeah. that. Yeah. So don't expect to be like, oh, I'm going to make this software. And then six months from now, I'm going to be, you know, flying in my private jet. Uh, I guess maybe that happens with some people, but it's a, it takes a while. We're also talking about software in an industry that is not, you know, consumer level. I mean, it's consumer level, but it's for defense businesses. And so that is another thing to consider. Like your market is, you know, only as big as it is. And so how much money are you going to make from that? Right. Well, I tell people all the time, it's kind of just like a passion project thing for me. Um, It was something for me to use myself. And now, I mean, I sell it to people. And I mean, I like to make sure that the people are actually going to benefit from it and all of that, like we talked about earlier. And so, I mean, it's not really something that I'm looking to get rich on next week. So might happen one day, who knows, but for now, we're still selling fence. That's a good outlook to have for sure. Yeah. Well, I think we should, uh, I mean, we're like an hour and 20 minutes, so we probably should kind of wrap it up. There was some stuff we didn't get to talk about, but I think for the most part, we covered. Uh, we really intimidated everybody out there about building software. <laughs> yeah, right. right. <laughs> so that's good, though. If no one else develops software, they have to come to us, you know. <laughs> At the end of the day, I just want everybody to be happy. And if it's with us, that's amazing. If not, that's amazing, too. So, uh if you want to build your own software, more power to you. And I hope that your experience is fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, let me just wrap up real quick and say, uh, just cause I got to, Oh, okay. <laughs> um, just to wrap up real quick about contractor accelerator, cause I got to plug in on myself again. Um, okay, so sure. if you're interested in contractor accelerator, go to contractoraccelerator.com. Um, as soon as you sign up, you'll be able to start a, or you can start a free trial, two weeks, get into the software, play around. You'll be connected with Jen, our marketing director. Um, she's going to be bugging you along the way, making sure that you're set up and successful. So we look forward to bringing on anybody else that we can. And I really appreciate this uh, platform to be able to talk to you. I think, uh, like I said, we offer a unique perspective in building software. And so uh, we can definitely share that knowledge. And if anybody else has questions, I'm always here as well. I mean, our time is valuable, but like you said, in regards right. to commercial fencing, if you have any questions, I'm I'm here. Well, yeah, thanks for being here. It's been fun. Um, once we, uh, once you got us heading down the right the right path, there we we kind of <laughs> through our our outline as we call it now. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's been fun, and hopefully, uh, you know, this is something that people could kind of listen to if they do think they're going to make their own software and just, I don't know, kind of see the reality of it a little bit and. So, I mean, if you do need more information, then Amanda said you can reach out to her. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, if you got commercial questions, reach out to Dan. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, it's a journey. I'll say that. It's a journey. So, thanks for being here. Thanks, everybody, for listening and watching and tuning in. Amanda DeBrot of Contractor Accelerator, everybody.
Thanks, guys. It was amazing. Thank Thank you you so much. much.